Hello everyone, this is Kisa Shreen and today we're going to talk about one of the key topics related to sustainability and the way it affects the responsible investor community the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. To help us here today are Repentive's experts, Julia Walker, our Global Head of Government and Industry Affairs, and Andre Chavana, Director of Product Management. So let's first talk about how can sustainable investors incorporate SDGs in the process and channel more money toward SDGs. Andre, could you give us some insight into the process for this? Sure. Um, so we, we've got a, a number of ways uh, we can help investors or investors can actually um, invest following the SDGs. So obviously the SDGs have a quite a strong government uh, macro uh, focus. So we've had carved out a, a segment of our macroeconomic time series database which have been mapped to the SDG indicators. So it is possible to actually understand at a country level um, how how countries are performing against those uh, specific outcomes. So we've got a there is a way to invest uh, at a country level, and then of course um, most of our investors, of course, have uh, used a lot of our ESG data. So we've already mapped. Um, a number of the ESG metrics that align with the SDG indicators. And so it's also possible to carve out which of the um, your investable universe or your 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 stock list would would align based on that ESG framework. So there's a couple of ways of doing it, both macro and at a company level. And then of course um, we've got our use of proceeds data within our fixed income uh, database. So it's also possible to understand, you know, uh, based on that use of proceeds information, how, um, you know, which fixed income instruments um, would would align best with uh, the various SDG goals. So, and Andre, interested to hear what the investor community is saying about the way their investment decisions are impacting the SDGs. Wondering, is it true that most of the time it's all about understanding ESG risks and opportunities within a company and then making a decision to invest versus how the investment itself can impact an SDG? Is there a thought around how they see that coming together? It's a growing um, conversation that's happening, really, and trying to understand what is the impact of an investment from an SDG perspective. So obviously, uh, you know, a, a lot of mainstream investors have uh, already integrate ESG factors, material factors into their investment process. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, there's a number of ESG metrics which clearly do align with with those SDGs, but I guess it's more from the perspective of what kind of how are those ESG um, measures uh, driving towards those positive outcomes, uh, those time based outcomes that the SDGs have. And, you know, that's a quite uh, that's a more of a, a newer way, let's say, of of uh, analyzing how your portfolio is contributing and in kind of an impactful way towards those SDG goals. Obviously, you've got company level data, and then how does that marry up to something which is broader in scope, uh, like an SDG indicator? 
um, you know, measuring that, that's that's a newer, a more recent way of uh, analyzing. So we're starting to see more of that happen, uh, overlaying, you know, company level ESG metrics with uh, the SDG uh, indicators. Let's talk specifically about the financial services sector. Julia, there's been a lot of talk in the past about the need for the financial services sector to really step up and to support um, financing the SDGs. Take us through what changes we've seen over the last few years here. Hi, Kisa, and a good question. So in 2016, 52 institutional investors were interviewed by Share Action. Over 80% said they were willing to allocate capital to investment supporting the SDGs and would support regulatory reform. Fast forward to 2020, we have seen significant increase in ESG funds and green bonds, but only 12% of asset managers have developed a strategy to measure their impact in line with the SDGs across all asset classes. So more to be done. But on the regulatory and policy front, there has been quite a bit of significant movement and, and we'll see this being implemented in the years to come. Regulators and supervisors are aligned on the risk that climate change poses and are implementing policy and regulatory change to enable a transition to a low carbon economy. Now, last year, with contributions from a number of experts around the world, we published a book on how to achieve the SDGs through a finance, technology and law reform angle. And I thought it might be useful to highlight um, a key points from that. So one, companies really need to study and understand the SDGs. They need to rethink strategy, risk management and business behaviour to align with the goals. The second point would be citizen action matters enormously. Organisations should be able to advocate for them and hold governments to account. The School Strikes for Climate, led by Greta Thunberg, and the work done by Extinction Rebellion did make a difference. Thirdly, I just want to touch on technology. So the role of technology is extremely important. Vast sums of money is lost to illicit activities, corruption and tax evasion every year. By providing fintech and regtech solutions, money can be better allocated towards the SDGs and allow for improved tracking, reporting and cooperation. And the last point I wanted to raise is one on transparency and reporting, because they matter. Deciding what information to disclose, how to disclose it, and to whom, is a regular problem for companies. Investors need to continue to push for improved corporate disclosure and focus on building their own capabilities to channel investments appropriately towards the alignment of the SDGs. Now, there is a lot of talk about the data challenge. But an enormous amount of data is already there and more is coming online. The financial sector should be seen as a good servant, but a poor master. And the SDGs are a blueprint to create the world we want. Therefore, to create that world that we want, the financial sector needs to align to their achievement. So thanks for that, Julie. It sounds like the intentions are definitely there, but um, obviously there is much more of an effort to drive things forward. If we just look beyond just the financial sector and look at um, all industries, the private sector specifically, 
what is needed to mobilize private sector money? So just looking beyond financial services specifically, but looking at the private sector, Julia, what do we need to really mobilize um, financing more broadly? So uh, sustainable finance markets need to be rationalized. And on a positive note, we've seen quite a lot of movement here in the last couple of years. So the EU Action Plan of 2018 you know, was, a, was, a, was a great marker. And, and what's been happening since is, is quite transformative. And many of these things will come in, in the years, years ahead of us. So sustainable finance markets need to be rationalised. They also need to be industrialised. You know, they need, to, they need to scale. We need to have better marketplaces for buyers and sellers. They also need to be democratized and open to all. You know, we we recently um, contributed to a report with the with the UN on digital financing of the SDGs. That report said is around citizen centric financing, and 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 that is a core concept. You, me, everyone, mum, dad, you know, auntie down the street needs to be able to contribute to an SDG instead of just going for a low, medium, or high risk, you know, account. You know, why can't individuals um, put money to SDG2? Why can't they put it towards SDG5? If they care really passionately about something, why can't you put your money where you want it to? And we're starting to see products actually come to the retail space or, you know, into, you know, into the environment to support these desires. And lastly, the big thing is, you know, systemic policy change is needed and we need to transition to sustainability. So the whole financial system needs to be reorientated to sustainable development. That might sound like a big thing, but it's already starting to happen. We're going to be releasing a report uh, on the 21st of September, which we've done with a partner on what is happening in the central bank community. And the Network for Greening the Financial System, the NGFS, has actually done a fabulous job. You know, they're really recognising um, that climate risk is a financial risk and we're seeing so many regulations coming across the globe. You know, it seems to be every week there's another country declaring a new green plan with, with great, you know, prudential, um, you know, regulations coming through. So these green plans, which, you know, I think the EU did kick off, but they were inspired by the Paris Agreement and the SDGs, is creating a significant change. Andre, pick, it up, pick us up from there. I'd love to get some examples of how investors are working with key stakeholders. Julia just named um, several organizations, but government, NGOs, you know, not-for-profits. So not just within the private sector, but there are loads of stakeholders in this entire ecosystem. How are they working together to develop tools to monitor and really measure pop progress against the SDGs? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, that Well, there, there are a, a number of, um, you know, forums and uh, stakeholder groups across, like you say, uh, private, um, governmental and, uh, and, uh, and other, you know, interested stakeholders um, in coming up with solutions that actually uh, are pretty comprehensive in, 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 in their breadth and depth. So, you know, I've seen various um, projects, uh, not not to name names, but where there are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at really both the, the micro and the macro impacts. Um, as I mentioned earlier, when, when we're looking at a company, for example, what is, it's not just about the, the company as a whole, but it's about looking about its um, sources of revenue 
and then understanding how those sources of revenue are actually uh, generating revenue towards um, either a, a green outcome or not. So uh, it's um, and, and it is what equally important is not just about those business segment revenues, it's about where those business segments are, are, are situated geographically. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're combining very detailed, uh, you know, company level data uh, and then overlaying that with uh, country level uh, information and and to get that kind of thought leadership to get the that that holistic view re does require um collaboration uh at both say private and 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 public uh groups and only that way can we really finding solutions to some of these challenges yeah Absolutely. So if we look at the argument or an argument around SDG investing strategy adoption, that argument, one of them would be SDGs are principally focused on government and social action rather than being made for industries and investors. What would you say to that argument, Andre? And then, Julia, I'd love to hear your thought as well. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, there's the the framework itself and you know when you look at the indicators there, there's clearly um that some of the targets are lend well to 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 governments but um it shouldn't stop uh the the private sector and and companies of finding ways to support those outcomes right um we can't afford to wait something that's prescriptive uh, let's say a a company level um, so a lot of companies are, are making great initiatives, uh, understanding their own operations and how they're, they're, those operations support the SDGs and, and those specific outcomes, the indicators. So, yeah, we're seeing a, a lot of good intent, just trying to, 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 to converge and meet uh, the, the SDGs as best as possible. Um, so, uh, as many of the audience will know, you know there are many different standards out there, and there ha and there continues to be around ESG. But it doesn't stop us from continuing to to, to understand what are the material risks and opportunities uh, linked to to various entities, right? And um, and often there's a, a there's a great deal of uh, overlap and harmonisation there. So uh, it's the same thing with the SDGs. You know, we find a lot of metrics um, that are, are clearly supportive of and support each of the SDG uh, KPIs. Mm. Great. Thank you, Julia. I'll give you the last word here, about 60 seconds. What are your thoughts there? We, we realise that challenge. I mean, you know, 40 percent or 93 indicators are directly or indirectly linked to GRI disclosures. The SDG compass has been created to address these challenges, but more needs to be done. So one of the things that we did do uh, in January this year, uh, Refinitiv spearheaded a new alliance called the Future of Sustainable Data Alliance to try and address these hard questions. Um, key members are the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the International Institute of Finance, OMFIF, SIFMA, FinTech for Good, the Spatial Finance Institute, Oxford University, and, and lots of other names. We are there to address these big questions um, and we're starting to build our recommendations and start sharing them with the partners which we'll want to be launching you know, in, in a couple of months. But it is asking that question, how do we progress this? And, and we have to do it together. So, so look out for that because I think that um, 
you know great progress will be will be made in the next year. Um, one last thing also is, you know, the the task force of climate related financial disclosures has had a big impact. Look out for the task force of nature related financial disclosures that will launch that next year. The initial working group is already underway and it will be looking at natural capital and biodiversity. So we can't I don't know, bite off too much at once, but you know, carbon and climate has been looked at. We're going to be looking at biodiversity. And one last point on COVID, right? So this year, you look at the SDGs, we're, we're miles behind where we were, but SDG three is, is a good example. SDG three is around good health and well-being. Okay, so because of sort of an inadequate response or infrastructure in some countries it has led us to where we are today. Coming out of this, every country will need to look at SDG three. They will have to build resilience and strength in their health systems and prevention programs. So. There are many things that will happen out of this to achieve the SDGs. There's a huge amount of stimulus coming from countries. It needs to go to things that support the SDGs, like health and well-being of people on our planet. Lots of great information here. First of all, it is possible to understand how countries are performing against SDG outcomes. So investing at a country level is something that is being achieved. Sustainable finance markets need to be rationalized as well as democratized and open to all. So with that being said, individuals um, need to be able to contribute to ESG if they would like to in that market. Forums across governments, NGOs are looking at micro and macro impacts. And we also see that progress um, around SDGs to gain progress and to continue to see progress, a high degree of cooperation across the public and private sectors is necessary. Julia and Andre, thank you so much for joining us today. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitiv Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.